Hash House and Circle Up. Welcome to On On, the Hash House Harrier podcast for interviews, history, and stories. I'm your host, Ra. In part two with Dental Dam, we're going to go into more of her experiences, where she's hashed, special events out in the Pacific Northwest and Seattle area, and her future plans in hashing and hashers important in her life. Part two. Did you meet people early on that are now people that are still your friends or were hashing mentors that were significant other people you haven't mentioned? Yeah. Um, I met Cougar Rican the very first time I hashed and we we are still best friends now. And we went through our divorces together a few years ago and, you know, we were able to lean on each other and yeah, we hang out all the time. It's really funny because I have a lot of friends that are attracted to him or have want to have sex with him. And he and I are like brother sisters. So we can share a bed even naked and we just are not into each other. I mean, we're just buddies. And I absolutely absolutely love him. Interestingly enough, one of his ex-girlfriends is also my best friend and she and I had dated the same person. And then now he's long gone from the hash, but she and I end up being best friends. So it's quite interesting that I'm best friends with my little penis and Cougar Rican and their exes. But um, 90% of the people that I've been hashing with now have been here the whole seven years and are just my, my buddies. Nice. You, you, Ended up going to an Inter-Americas in 2015 that Portland hosted. You you talk about a lot of travel hashing. What's the right size? What kind of event is the sweet spot for how many people are at an event like that for you? Well, okay. So in Aram, you know, Portland, there was over a thousand and they took over the whole hotel, which I thought worked well. I went to in 2017 in Arizona and I did in 2019 on the ship. And those were phenomenal. The cruise ship. Yeah, I think in America, you should have a thousand people because, you know, only happens once every two years and it's a big deal. For some of these other events like campouts, I mean, Gold Rush works with like 200, 250 people because it's a humongous space. There's just like different things all over the place, all over the campgrounds that people set up, whether you're golfing at the, at, because our, the guy that hosts it owns a golf course, or whether you're in the orgy dome because someone sets up this amazing, like, dome or you know people that set up dance parties or whatever so i like that because it's sort of like a mini burning man i guess with lots of costumes and things for the seattle events like i don't mind those that big events for when i go to them but for seattle events i prefer it being like my top 100 friends like apocalypse Mm -hmm. doesn't get too big and i like it that way i like it to be our main core people and you know maybe 20 or 30 visitors that bring in something great that come in and really do well. And that area of the world has been a early leader in the coffee thing. The beer's been good. What's the beer arrangement for the hashers out there? Okay, so we have found now that people are drinking seltzer way more and also people are doing drugs more. And so beer isn't the number one thing up here anymore. We have, uh, you know, a lot of people do edibles and a lot of people do mushrooms. And then, of course, the illegal drugs um, at the events, at the big campout events. So at our big campout events, we don't order more beer than we do seltzer. And we take a poll in advance to find out, like, how much beer do people really think they're going to drink and how much seltzer and how much wine. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we're getting ready to plan Red Dress Run right now. And we're going to host it at a seltzer warehouse because most people are drinking five to six seltzers at these all day events. 
Mm-hmm. Well, I just got back from Goa, Interhash, the quick, quickly tossed together kind of event. They had probably as many GNTs bottles as beers. Yeah. What's GMT? GNT, gin tonic. Bottles. Oh, really? Different flavored gin and tonic. Yeah, the beer was all Kingfisher. It was little three 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 centiliter cans, and the there was there was definitely a GNT that was among the flavors better. But yeah, it was it it worked really well. I mean, I think the reality of the hash in big events is you got to have wine and something other than beer. But you guys are on another level. I mean, you know, the Pacific Northwest is kind of yeah, yeah. So you know, uh, with with, the, with a lot of the substances you're talking about, some of the some of the more traditional homegrown hashes in our part of the world to say, oh, I better go to Disneyland and check this out. Yeah. But in general, we do a lot of Rainier beer and a lot of Pabst Blue Ribbon beer because it's inexpensive and it's n- not too heavy on the stomach if you're really going to run. That's what we mostly drink on Monday nights when, you know, we're not trying to really get drunk. We're just having a beer mm-hmm. a mile from the, the end. Right now, for example, um, with when it's being the dark cold season, we do more brewery checks. And so we person herring usually calls a brewery in advance finds out if there's any deal for pitchers or if we can get a deal for everyone getting their own pint and so when i haired the other night we went to a brewery and everyone just got their own they picked their own pint and we paid for it because we had actually we have extra cash at the end of the year because we do a really good job managing our funds right now for the next eight weeks in the seattle monday kennel we'll be at breweries every monday so that's a nice change wow yeah you might have some people look for cheap fares and show up and yeah yeah, we actually had a visitor from Indiana come this week. And I hope, I mean, I only had 10 people at my trail the other night, speaking of my preferred size group. And it was a really great trail. We had three walkers, five runners. I did Turkey and Eagle Trail and everybody ended up at the brewery right on time. And it was, it was really fantastic. So even with 10 people, you can have a really good time. Uh, yeah, I mean, you've got, I don't know, half as many clubs as all of New Zealand up in your little corner of the state there. What about the traditions that span them in terms of stuff that hashers know? Live trails, dead trails. Okay. Most people tend to do live trails. I can't do it because I'm not that fast, especially with the Seattle Monday group. They're very fast. So I dead lay my trails because mm-hmm. even when I dead laid the other night, it took me two hours to do a seven mile trail. So, you know, I can't, there's no way I can stay ahead of, you know, these fast people. We do turkey eagles. As far as other marks, we do fish hooks a lot because it helps bring the front people back to the back people and keeping the group together. I, I think everyone here in the Puget Sound is very cognizant of trying to keep the slow people together with the fast people so that we're all enjoying the drink checks together. You guys all sound so wholesome and uh, apart from these crazy things that happen in the community. Yeah. Yeah. We take care of people. I mean, honestly, uh, hash I was at the other day, uh, a couple weeks ago, the co-hair came back and circled around and picked up the DFLs because they were way too far behind and that worked out perfect. Right. Um, And We tend to have, you know, on big events, when we have a big visitors, we'll have a sweeper because we don't want to leave, you know, virgins or visitors behind to get lost. We post the beer check when we get there so that if anybody can zen and save time to get there faster, that that will happen. Or posting your phone number so someone can text the hair and say, we're not able to find trail. Like, can you give us, can you tell us where to go next? Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, people do care. People do want, we don't want to make anybody's day bad right we want it to be fun yeah some other things we do that's fun is we do the naughty check where you just bend over and you know you have to be patted on the butt uh 
until you can move on. We do all song, we do a song check where you have to wait till maybe like song check 10, you have to wait till 10 people get there to sing a song. We've done clothing exchanges. So you at the clothing exchange, you just have to exchange some piece of clothing with somebody else. Um, that's kind of fun because usually it's a sweaty piece of clothing and it's gross, right. but it's fun. But interestingly enough, we have obviously a very woke crowd out here. And so there are a number of songs that we've now banned from Washington Kennels, mostly because it just people don't want them saying out here. And so yeah. I'm totally fine with that. When if somebody's uncomfortable, let's not sing it. There's so many other songs you can sing. Yeah, it's, you, the, it's not like you've disabled the song master. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. In this seven years that you've been hashing, you've had a chance to go more than once a week sometimes. How many hashes have, if you had to ballpark, how many do you think you've done? Oh, I stopped counting at 100 because I wanted a patch that was like, I've hashed 100 times, um, mm -hmm. but I was keeping track. Um, Maybe, maybe 300. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in seven years. So that's, that's pretty dense hashing, pretty good. Now you have a, personal patch and that's kind of that, that's around the world patches are definitely a part of hashing culture and you were nice enough to send me one and it is for those who can't see it maybe we'll put it on your podcast images so people can look it is the most non-safe for work patch that i've seen i think it's, in hashing yeah what, it's really who designed it who designed it yeah, valentine's day asaker did you know originally i wanted this cute one and i wanted it to be like a cartoon face of me or something in something like dental related but then in the end i don't know i just said do whatever you think like let's do something mixed race that's why there's a black hand and i just wanted to go with the dental dam thing because it's it's funny and a lot of people that are younger than me never even learned about the dental dam in sex education class so yeah yeah there'll be people i'm sure there'll be people googling it now that they're listening. yeah yeah, yeah the challenges is i have a couple dental dams that i bring if people want to do a patch challenge then i have them use like a piece of fruit or something to like you know imitate what it's like to do oral sex with a dental dam which of course no one really does <laughs> okay yeah so the the patch uh, what, go ahead and describe the patch if, if for people yeah have... yeah so it's basically like a, a caucasian I, I don't know vagina and then uh like a, a black it's two legs spread wide open yeah yeah that <laughs> and then a black person licking uh, getting close to licking the dental dam and you can see right through the you know, see through the dental dam to see the labia and things and things like that and yeah that's i don't know that's it and as far as we know, there were no models for this. This was there was not, but I did tell the person, I did tell Brigham Young that I wanted his hands on there. So he that they, they are Brigham Young, even though I've never had sex with him. He's one of my buddies and he's very well known in the hash. And uh yeah, I said to him, I made these black hands because of you. <laughs> There's an inter another interesting connection I have with uh the Seattle hash. We had a travel meetup in las vegas for some hashers from europe and it was a hasher called easy over and her i don't know if it was her cousin or somebody getting married and a whole bunch of hashers from toronto came and a whole bunch of ha cosmo and i love cosmo yeah i went to his trail on two on saturday oh okay well we can I'll tell this and then we'll talk about Cosmo for a second. So he came and Ashley, I forget her hash name right now. There's a really good friend of his from Pittsburgh originally where Cosmo's from. And they came and she met up and kind of hooked or connected with that 
a Toronto hasher, and now they live together in London. Wow. And so they got together in Las Vegas. We ended up having their wedding in Seattle. We had a hash wedding. I presided over there the next day out in Seattle. So I was on another Seattle hash with for the wedding thing out there. I, that was probably 10 years ago. Yeah. A number of hash weddings. Yeah, they're they're really fun. So I didn't see Cosmo at Goa. I don't I know if he went to, if he didn't go to Mekong, Indochina, but I saw him this summer at Interscandi in Estonia. A lot of people know Cosmo. He's he's pretty free to travel these days. How? Yeah, he goes to everything. I can't remember if he said he went to Goa. No, he wasn't there. Yeah. Oh, okay. He, he, he knows more people than I can even, I, I just can't even imagine. You came in, like you said, sort of sort of early midlife. What do you think about the future hashing? Seattle is one of the strongest mega centers for hashing and really rolling on. What do you think decades from now? Is hashing going to adapt, change, or be look kind of the same 50, 60 years from now? What would you think? Okay, I'll answer that. But I do think it's interesting to hear how someone like from the East Coast, like how, to hear it be like called a mega center, it's kind of interesting because I don't have any idea what how see how Washington or, or hashing is viewed from afar from here. So that's an interesting way to say it. But I guess I feel really lucky that we do have that. I think it will, it's changed a lot already, you know, going from just being a beer drinking thing to like a men's club of probably not that many songs to now being such a huge range of age, such a huge range of genders, such a, new songs coming out nearly every day, hashes that are eliminating songs that are not appropriate it's not the word offensive it's just not appropriate anymore there's just certain words that the world has learned we don't say the r word or whatever and of course now that we we said like with more seltzer and wine and liquor and drugs coming in it's not so much beer oriented so when i think about the future hmm no i can't i guess i can't see it I don't know. I really feel like we've come so far. The idea to me, which is sometimes eye-opening, is I, I've talked to a lot of people started hashing in the 60s and early 70s. And 50 years later, the hash is recognizable to them. And there, there's no doubt. It's like, oh, this is hashing, I know. But the traditions change. 50 years from now, I assume, we'll, if that, assuming the hash survives, we'll all recognize it. The songs didn't weren't part of it in the 60s at all. Oh, really? I did not know that. Singing probably started big time. And then all the, as the hash spread, Jakarta was a big singing hash in the early 70s. And that Ian Cumming went to Singapore individually sang, and he went to New York and the Northeast of the US had the benefit of Ian Cumming being a giant singer and uh, big personality. So it definitely spread from there. The things of, of drinking and, like you say, social awareness changes. Underground, we've managed to stay under the radar. For it is surprising how many people, yeah, it is surprising how many people have never heard of it. Obviously, I had never heard of it. But even when I went to the brewery the other night and I told them, oh, hey, my running group's coming in in a little bit. I'm going to pay for the tab for everybody. And telling them about this beer drinking running group and them not knowing is still surprising to me. And I think we can't even, we're not allowed still to hash on Bainbridge Island because for whatever reason, the cops didn't like us 15 years ago because of the flower and we've never been back. And I think that's still silly that we still have people worried about communities, about us dropping flower places. So that's, that's funny to me. I guess there will probably be things that change in the future that we haven't thought of, like whether we have different ways of doing marks. 
whether that's like virtual marks, more like geocaching where Mm -hmm. people are just on their phones using that. That might be something. I don't know. I don't like that idea, but there will be more family oriented ones. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. I've I've hashed in Asia and it's definitely different there. It's definitely not as debaucherous and there are more kids and the songs aren't as crazy and there's not as much nudity or any. I, I, I like that it's different all over. But Uh it's funny to think I've never really sat and thought about what it could be like in the future. Where specifically did you get to hash in Asia? Yeah, I hashed in the Philippines, in Malaysia, in Thailand. And was that just travel that you found hashes or were those events? No, I was there for work and I just happened to find a local hash and attend just so I could say I went to the hash. Mm-hmm. Were you in Manila? Where were you in the Philippines? Yeah, I did Manila. Yeah, uh, some sur- suburb outside of Manila. Uh, mm-hmm. We did a really amazing hash out there um, with a lot of American expats that live there. That was really fun. And one of the hashes I went to, I don't remember which country right now, but we hashed on ha- Halloween and it was an abandoned golf resort where they were had they were going to build this golf course and had all these fancy homes because they were anticipating an uh, airport going in. Mm-hmm. An airport changed location, so the whole place got abandoned, and it's <laughs> like a ghost town. It's it would be fantastic place for filming some sort of movie. But basically, they took us through different houses, and they had different spooky themes. And we're in the jungle where there's snakes and there's poisonous things everywhere, and we hashed through all this stuff, and it was spooky and fun and scary all at the same time. Wow. Well, that sounds like the setting for the often wondered about, is there ever going to be a hashing retirement community? Maybe the hash should take that whole place over. Yeah. You know, a hashing, uh, a, a retired compound where people could live, that could be really fun. You've gotten out hashing on a couple continents. Have you hashed in Europe? I don't think so. Do you have a bucket list for travel or for hashing events or places you'd like to get to? Mm-hmm. It would be fun to say you hashed on all seven continents. You know, when they did this Antarctica thing, they started planning a a year or two ago. That was exciting, but it's very expensive. And it wasn't in my radar yet. But that's something that I would consider doing in the future. Something really exotic like that. The hash cruise we did in 2019 was amazing. And if we ever did another hash cruise where we owned the whole boat, yeah, I would absolutely love to do that one again. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would. I want to go to more inter-Americas and I want to go to Median if they get that worked out for Colombia in this next year. That would be really great. Yeah, probably some still bumps on the way to getting there. We'll see what happens. I did talk to Corrigan down in Nashville. He, I haven't interviewed him yet. And he, he said he might consider one last hurrah and hosting it there. There's growing hashes in South America. There's a new one in Paraguay that's been running for a year. The hash seems to be re-establishing in South America, but we don't have a lot of people signing up. Seattle has never hosted in America. Is that something they could ever look at? Yeah, we've talked about it. Yeah, we could definitely do it. I know we have, yeah, the right skill set of people to organize it. Yeah, we definitely could. Okay. Well, that might be news to some people that are concerned about the future of Inter-America. So that's good news. It seems like it's, it's changed your life. It's just become a big, important thing to you that came out of nowhere on a, in two weeks, right? Yeah. I mean, honestly, one of my favorite things that I like to tell people that I've gained from the hash is understanding consent. I grew up in a really patriarchal family. Super, well, I only need to say that. Very patriarchal old school family. I didn't understand consent until 
41 years old. And I mean, mean true consent, like enthusiastic consent in the kind where I always thought that it was the guy's job to keep pressuring you until you gave in, to keep enticing you and seducing you until you said yes. Because if you said yes, however you got to the yes, it was consent. But now I've learned, you know, I mean, it took, I can't, I'm kind of mad that it took me 41 years to understand that consent isn't about trying to talk the person into having sex with you. Yeah. I mean, it seems so common sense and I'm very well educated. And I've been in the Seattle area since I was 18. Well, since I was 14 and I still can't believe that I just didn't understand it till I got in the hash and we understood enthusiastic consent. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I feel like it, I, I think even some of my siblings still don't really understand it because we didn't grow up really understanding it that way. That, that's an interesting discovery. And it's, it's nice that the hash was the catalyst for that discovery and evolution of your personal life certainly there are also hashes that are couples that this isn't an issue there's they're in monogamous relationship but that that same thing applies that the hash is all equals even though mismanagement is going to make some decisions there's no hierarchy everybody is the same and at the moment you're talking in the circle there's nobody uh, who can dominate you out of there by rank or anything else it's an egalitarian thing and i'm sure that's part of it for for all of us yeah it'd be interesting to be back into a scenario where we all only knew each other by our hash names and we didn't know any of our nerd names i think you know back in the day when they had it like that and they didn't have a social media the way that we do now I think that's quite interesting to think about. I don't know what that would be like. I can tell you my experience is one day you realize you're talking with people, you're talking about people and they mention somebody's real name and you say, I have no idea who you're talking. Yeah. And it dawns on you that half of the people you've ever met, you have no clue what any part of their name is or what they do for a living. And you realize I've known them for 15 years. <laughs> Yeah. When I'm at events or something, and if somebody asks me what I do, which rarely they do, it's like a question I steer away from totally because it's so unimportant to me. I totally, there's nothing interesting to me at all about talking about like what I do outside of the hash, because I don't know, I don't feel like it's my core at the core of who I am. I really try to say like, oh, let's talk about something else way more interesting. When people start talking about work. I just walk away because I'm so bored. Huh. Well, I think you're going to be a successful GM. It sounds like the troops are going to support you in the campaign. And hopefully you'll find a, an, a good partner and mentor each other. And I'm sure you'll have, it, it's going to be a one-year term. Yeah, maybe one or two. Maybe I'll do two and help be the carryover, you know, uh -huh. so we can get that going better. Yeah, I think yeah. people will sign on. We, we should work more at getting them to sign on for two years. We're still, we're hoping for that, but we're not demanding it yet. And I think it needs to be more. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Here's an important question. I think for hash culture, everybody has to, at some point address personally, is the RA always right? No. In fact, something really interesting happened at Gold Rush this year. One of our favorite RAs of all the Pacific Northwest, his name is Barely Mambolo. And, yeah, no, um, 
we love him. And he came with his twins this year who are like toddlers. And he was up in the circle and the circle was and uh, was quite loud. And there was, you know, he, he had a co-RA. Yeah, things kind of were losing control. And I was sitting right next to someone who said, she may, oh, she's made a comment. The hash is out of control. The hash is out of control. <laughs> and he thought she said something rude. He he misheard it. And he said, hey, shut up. And and the rest of us looked at him like, what the heck? And we stopped circle because six of nine, she's like, hey, 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 we need to stop this for a second. Like you misunderstood what she said. And you just like chastised her. She's like, she wasn't the RA at the time. She goes, you need to sit on the ice. Both of you sit on the ice right now and hash this out before we continue on. And they did. And it was it was so great. It was such a tender moment because barely humbled himself when we sat down and was like, so you didn't say this? And she's like, no, I didn't say that. And, you know, he's like, I'm so sorry. I misheard you. And it was good. He, he immediately went to the role he's supposed to when someone calls you out on a behavior that is unacceptable. Interesting. Yeah. Well, that's another good story. Well, it sounds like you've had these challenges. And I know some of them have been upsetting the, the things that you had to deal with there as a group with the misbehavior people but it sounds like yeah it's been a great experience for you you're gonna hash the rest of your life is that the plan i don't know i thought about it honestly the truth is i could walk away from the hash and still find you know be happy in the world but i find when i hang out with muggles um like i took a trip to yellowstone last year with muggles and i realized you know, it would have been so much more fun to be with hashers because, you know, just little innuendos or, you know, if you're walking along on a 10 mile trail, just being able to sing funny hash songs together or things like that. I think I, I'll probably be around the hash forever. But yeah, I think it's a it, it grows my character. And honestly, just to touch back on the negative situations we've experienced, I don't regret those at all. And I wouldn't want those undone. Of course, I wouldn't want the victims to have to do the therapizing that they have to do to undo the damage they've experienced. But I also think as a group, it's good because we've learned a lot and we can grow and we can have conversations that you don't can't plan for and you have to figure out how to have them. And I think that's that's part of growing your character. So yeah, I don't see myself leaving, but I've seen people leave the hash and be happy too. Yeah. Okay. Well, good for you. It's nice to get to know you. I think you did you do a great job of presenting who you are and your experience. And I think people have fun listening to this. Well, good. Yeah, I enjoyed this conversation too. Thank you so much for asking. That's a wrap with Dental Diam. You might see her as the Seattle GM next year. And hopefully that was a glimpse into West Coast hashing in the Pacific Northwest of the U.S. that if you haven't been, maybe a little different than what you're used to. This is the On On Podcast. Hasher voices, hasher history, hasher stories. New episodes every week. Till next time, On On. This is Ra. To close the circle, here's the hash anthem sung by Mother Hash. Swing Oh